I want to foreshadow. I want to get my little Shadama's cap on here because we all know the season is here. But I kind of want to go beyond this season, right? Because there were some moves that was made this offseason of substance, right? That we was like, wow, left our mouths wide open. Wow, I can't believe this happened. A lot of moving parts. We never seen an NFL offseason like this one, this past one. But there was also some moves where it left us like, you know, scratching our head. Like, what's going on here? So what I want to do is foreshadow into next season. We're going to look at some offseason moves and say, man, I don't know what the hell this team was doing. They are going to regret this. And so the topic that we have here is our top three biggest offseason regrets after the upcoming season. So, Zach, if you want to kick us off, you can give your three. I'll respond to your three after you finish your three, and then we'll reverse the order. All right. Wow. Without further ado, here we go. By the way, I really like this topic because, you know, every offseason we look at a lot of teams moves and we either really like them or really don't like them. But I feel like the majority of times, you know, teams and us as fans and viewers, like we're pretty optimistic when you add a lot of talent. But this is an intriguing topic because we know just because your team looks really good on paper, that means nothing. It actually has to be executed on the field. So without further ado, Will, here we go. My number one team that I think will regret its offseason the most. And for me, like this is clearly the number one team. Numbers two and three, I think they had pretty regretful offseasons, but I don't think anyone had a more regretful offseason than, of course, the Cleveland Browns. And I don't see a chance the Browns make the playoffs. Like anytime you're saying that before the season even starts, I think your offseason has to be pretty regretful. And I'll start by saying this. Jimmy Garoppolo would have been a clear upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. I understand a lot of these coaches love Jacoby Brissett because he's always the first guy in and the lock and the last guy out of the locker room. But like that doesn't win you anything in his career. He's 14 and 23 as a starter. And I don't think he gets the I was in a poor situation like the Jets or the Lions treatment and everything else was bad around me. He was in New England. He was in Indy. He was in Miami. All those teams had talent. He wasn't really able to win with any of them. And I understand the Browns didn't want to pay Jimmy G's contract and they went all in on Deshaun Watson and they're going to wait for him to come back. But I just think they're wasting a prime year for Miles Garrett. They're wasting a prime year for Nick Chubb, who they gave both guys a lot of money to. And when your running back is one of your best players and a guy you gave a long-term deal to, I don't think you could afford to punt a season. I don't care what you did uh, with the quarterback position. And are the Browns trading Kareem Hunt? The situation in the Browns offense is kind of like Green Bay's, in my opinion. I think what makes the Packers offense so unique is that they have those two running backs that gives them the opportunity to move wide receivers around. And if you're Cleveland, I think it's kind of similar. If you're going to put your best offense on the field, uh, you're going to need both running backs out there. They don't have OBJ anymore. They don't have uh, Jarvis Landry anymore. So I think in order for Cleveland to maximize their offensive potential, they're going to have to give the ball to both running backs and Hopefully Kareem Hunt is still there. They didn't sign him to a contract extension, so there's still a chance he could be traded, which does concern me. I think the first team and really the team by far and away that I think will regret their offseason the most is the Cleveland Browns. Come here, you rapist. <laughs> That's what they're going to be saying. to <laughs> Go ahead, Zach. Go to number two. All right. Yeah. Number two. Sorry. I thought for a split second we were going back and forth, but yeah, I know uh, I'll give all three. So number two, another AFC team. The Patriots. We're going to get into over-unders for the uh, season in tomorrow's show. But here's a unique preview and, and an interesting stat I had for you, Will. The Patriots over-under right now is eight and a half. 
It's the lowest it's been since 2002. And if we remember back to that season, that was the year after they uh, Brady and Belichick won their first Super Bowl. I guess there were a little concerns uh, if they would be able to repeat. And they actually didn't even make the playoffs that year. So Vegas always knows. Uh, but they won, they've won double-digit games uh, 16 of the last 17 years. But I look at the personnel on this team, and not only is it not good, but I think they're unwatchable, borderline. This was two off seasons ago, but I still think I'm going to mention it because it falls into the category of regrets. Like Bill Belichick spent $200 million on players in free agency and everyone outside of Matthew Judon, like, isn't really good. He hires Matt Patricia to coach offense, the offensive coordinator to replace Josh McDaniels. I think Matt Jones is a solid game managing quarterback, but with so little talent around him and a brutal offensive coordinator in his ear, I'm worried. I mean, Will, this guy literally kept a pencil in his ear for a laminated play sheet, and he's been coaching defense his entire life, and now all of a sudden he's going to replace arguably the best offensive coordinator in the league and uh, take over the Patriots offense with his buddy Joe Judge? I don't think that's working. Uh, The Patriots, for me, is going to be my second team that I think will regret their offseason the most. Number three, we'll go into the NFC. I'll go with the Saints, and I know a lot of people are high on them. And I know it's not their fault that their Hall of Fame coach walked out the door. But in my opinion, it's huge. And they're super volatile. Like, I can see a world. I can squint and see a great Saints team because Michael Thomas could come back, even though I don't think he he will, stuck in the witness protection program. Alvin Kamara, he's not getting suspended. So it's looking like he's going to be on the field the whole season, which is good for them. They bring in Jarvis Landry. They bring in Chris Olave from Ohio State. That could be a really good wide receiver group, but they also lose Teron Armstead. Jameis Winston is coming off the torn ACL. Their offensive coordinator from the Peyton era stayed, uh, Pete Carmichael, but he's been there like a million years and he's never called a single play. On the defensive side of the ball, they bring in the Honey Badger, who's good. They have Cam Jordan, but Dennis Allen, who is a really good defensive coordinator, he's now their head coach. His first year, his first stint as an NFL head coach was an absolute disaster, like with the Raiders. Now, one of those seasons, he had Terrell Pryor as his quarterback, so I'm not going to really judge him too hard for it. But all I'm saying is I don't think he's going to be Sean Payton, and it's kind of hard for me to figure this team out. I think if Sean Payton was the coach, I would trust him to take the parts on this offense and turn it into a top-10 unit. But I don't trust Pete Carmichael to do that, and I'm not taking these guys to make the playoffs because – I can't trust them. Their coaching is just a complete unknown to me. And I don't know how Jameis Winston is going to do coming off the torn ACL. The Saints sent their 18th pick to the Eagles. And then they took the 16th and not, uh, the, the 16th pick they got and moved up to draft Olave, which was a good move. But the Eagles didn't use that 18th pick to draft anyone. They used it to trade for A.J. Brown. So I like Chris Olave, but why couldn't the Saints just move up and trade for A.J. Brown? And the way this team just spent their assets really didn't make sense to me over the offseason. In order to draft Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, the first-round pick they drafted from Northern Iowa, and a sixth-round pick, the Saints gave up all of picks that amounted to this. A.J. Brown, Jahan Dotson to the Commanders. That's how they moved up to get Olave. Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, a tight end, Cole Turner, a linebacker, Kyron Johnson, a 2023 first, and a 2024 second. I just don't like the way they use their assets and there's too many questions on this Saints team. So for me to recap, the three teams I think will regret their offseason the most, the Browns, the Patriots, and the Saints. 
Okay, Zach, I'm going to respond to those three. And then I'm going to go ahead. You know, I'll probably give you, uh, you know, another round to kind of rebuttal my rebuttal. And then I get to my take. For the Saints one, picking up where you left off. You know, the fact that you said that you didn't like the way how they use their assets. I'm surprised they even had any. This was one of the poorest salary cap teams in the league prior to the end of the season. A lot of people looked at that and said that was a reason why Sean Payton retired. Oh, look at the salary cap. Unproof of commodity at quarterback coming off an ACL injury. Yeah, this is a good time for me to skedaddle. Okay, cool. I said the same thing. I, I agree. I understand why he retired, right, if that was the reason. But the fact that they were able to get talent on the roster that can help their team out, a guy like Tyron Matthew on the defense, a guy like, you know, Chris Olave on the offense, just little moving parts. Yeah, they lost some, but they gained some. And I feel that the fact that they upgraded at that, you know, the fact that they were able to add on despite the salary cap situation, I thought it was impressive. Now, I do agree in the sense that coaching is a big question mark. I don't know what to expect from Dennis Allen. But what I do know is that you can make the playoffs with support coaching, but you can't do it with a support quarterback. So I think that's more on Jameis Winston. And if he can be that guy that can throw for 5,000 again, but throw for 10 interceptions, 15 interceptions. And I thought last year was a good start to his interception count on part of the stat sheet until he got hurt. Now, I'm not really worried about ACL injuries like I did in the past. Once I saw Joe Burrows, once I see wide receivers who, you know, are affected more from ACL injuries starting to come right in and play and, and pick up where they left off. I think for me, the Saints are a team that I'll be shocked if they are a 10-win team or, or, or even less than that. Like, I, I think they should win at least 10 games this year. And that's my outlook on the Saints. Yeah, I just thought they gave up, you know, they didn't have any cap room, so they gave up all of their draft picks, but then they let Armstead go, they let Marcus Williams go, they trade Gardner Johnson, like, are you trying to win or not? Like, they're just kind of flip-flopping in, in both directions, and, and I don't really get it. And it would be one thing if you had Sean Payton, who could we know could turn a, a somewhat a not-great team into a really great team, but I don't know if Dennis Allen's going to do that, and this team doesn't have a first-round pick next year. Like, what happens if they miss the playoffs? That, that's a problem. We'll have to see what happens with the Saints, man. I just think, listen, I'm a Buccaneers fan. We know that. I'm scared of the Saints. I mean, look, they give us trouble every year, the Buccaneers, right? And I know we're not the only team they play. But if they can somehow beat us two times, which is not out of the ordinary, you know, that's two wins. And the division itself outside of the Bucs is easy. You get a, probably another two wins, or you probably spit. So I think for me, the Saints have to win the games they're supposed to win on their schedule. I didn't think they did a good job of doing that last year. They won the games they wasn't supposed to win against the Packers last year, week one. You want to win those games still, but you want to win the games at Carolina like you lost last year. So that's my biggest thing for the Saints. Another thing that I want to go to is the New England one. I like the New England one, actually. I never really thought about that. Yeah, I would say for me, it's not having a coordinator. An offensive coordinator is the biggest thing. It's the biggest regret they're going to have. You know, you look around that team. Mac Jones, man, I feel sorry for the kid because I thought he was thrusted in the best situation. He's going from the best situation to one of the worst in a year span. And they made the playoffs. That's not supposed to happen. So, you know, Bill Belichick, I'm going to get to him. Well, really, I'm not actually going to get to him, but I will probably reference him in one of my takes coming up. It is what it is. The Patriots, I think they will take a step back. I don't see them making the playoffs. And that can't be said any more empathetically. As far as the Browns pick, 
I'm going to talk about the Browns on mine, but from a different standpoint. But the reasons you laid it out, I think it's fair. You know, telling guys in their prime that we got to punt the season away. Guys like Nick Chubb, guys like Amari Cooper, who just left Dak Prescott, frustrated about targets coming into this offense where a guy like Jacoby Brissett, you're downgrading. So I think, you know, uh, Miles Garrett defensively, Jadavion Clowney, all them guys that are ready to win right now, you have to be the Moses of the NFL where you have to tell your Israelites that, yeah, we may not get there tomorrow, but we'll get there the day after tomorrow. We'll reach the promised land. That's the kind of politic in your, your preaching. It's more like a, a salesperson, right? This is what's going to be us in the next couple of years. And we got to see the action. So I can see it from that perspective. But Zach, I want to get to my list here. My top three biggest offseason regrets. Number one, I'm going to have to say the Seattle Seahawks trading Russell Wilson. That has to be number one for me, clearly. You know... <laughs> I understand that things got a little bit stale over there with Russell Wilson. I understand there was a philosophy war that was going on with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was trying to go new school with the way how the league is moving, passing the football 30 times per game, let Russ cook. I understand Pete Carroll was more of the, you know, old-fashioned philosophy guy, run the football, ground the pound, and win with our defense. But you have to choose a quarterback over the coach. You, you have to in most instances, especially a top-level quarterback of Russell Wilson's caliber, right? You think about that. Quarterbacks in the league is priceless. The Broncos paid the price, and the Seahawks will be paying the price too now that Russell Wilson is gone. So I think even though there's a counter-argument that can say, well, Lil, maybe if they finish with the worst record or second the worst record, wouldn't there be optimism that they're going to get their guy, their quarterback, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, right? Sort of like Zion when they let go Anthony Davis and they knew that they had Zion Williamson in the bag because of the lottery with the number one pick. Yes, but at the same time, right? We're going to see Russell Wilson have a better year. I'm not sure how that's going to pan out in the column. I already said I believe Denver is coming in fourth, but it won't shock me if Denver win a division either. Like, I won't be shocked. I won't sit here and be like, oh, wow, Denver won a division. Nah, it's Russell Wilson. So we could be looking at the end of the season. Russell Wilson had this career rejuvenation, and Seahawks is losing every single game. And we'd be like, wait, hold up. What's the reason that they traded Russell Wilson again? That's why they're number one for me. And also, too, I think they should have learned from New England. New England did the same exact thing. That's why I said I want to reference Bill Belichick. They was going through the same thing. Philosophy shift. You know, um, Tom Brady wanted more weapons and, and Bill Belichick was trying to sabotage the Patriots to get rid of Tom Brady, my theory. And you chose Bill Belichick over Tom Brady. Now, I know what a lot of people is going to say. Well, wouldn't you do that, too? Because Tom Brady's in his 40s. Bill Belichick could coach another 10 years. No, because guess what? Josh McDaniels don't seem like a bad succession plan to me. Right. One of the best offensive coordinators on your team. Just hire him, promote him and keep the goat win another ring. How about that? So, yeah, that's number one for me. Seattle trading Russell Wilson at number two. I'm going to go with the Washington commanders overpaying for Carson Wentz. Listen, I can't see a, another foolish team like the commanders this offseason. First of all, let's not get into the history of this team. They haven't won anything. They are terrible. They are dysfunctional. They are cursed franchise, bro. It is what it is. And the fact that they saw what the Colts did 
you know, trading assets, any type of assets. I don't care if it's mid-round picks or what. They traded assets to get Carson Wentz. The guy that reportedly was supposed to fix Carson Wentz and Frank Wright, he didn't even do it. They wanted him out of there. And yet you do the same exact thing. That doesn't make sense to me. Now, you talk about trading and, and losing the 73 overall pick. You also got a third conditional 2023 third rounder and swap second rounders. The Washington Commanders had the number 11 pick in the draft. They could have got Kenny Pickett. They could have got Malik Willis. They could have even got Desmond Ritter. And even if those guys wasn't ready to win today, they could be ready to win tomorrow because with Carson Wentz, you're going to need yourself another quarterback tomorrow. So, you know, Washington, I think they made a bad decision. They had the number 11 pick and they allowed the perception. This is why we got to come up with our own evaluations and scout things, you know, with, with earmuffs because they allowed the perceptions. Oh, oh, this quarterback class is garbage to kind of play in a mind and jump the gun overpaying for Carson Wentz. So that's why they number two for me at number three. I'm going to go to Cleveland here. I would say the Browns trade in Baker Mayfield. Now, Claire, we know how we feel about this whole Deshaun Watson debacle. It's messy. It was always going to be a messy situation. Anytime you're a quarterback, the face of a franchise, having all those allegations of sexual assault, it's going to be a messy situation. I'm not mad at the Browns for trying to upgrade at the quarterback spot. I'm going to maintain that. I've never been a Baker Mayfield guy. Um, Deshaun Watson, I've been a big proponent of him on the football field. So I wasn't mad at the move. And that's not what I'm getting at. My thing here is, is that, yeah, you made the move for Deshaun Watson. We know he's going to have a suspension. You'll be a fool to think it was going to be anything less than six games. Claire, the judge said four. But we all knew the NFL had a high chance of taking that to arbitration or whatever you know how they did it and now it's 11 games why are we trading Baker Mayfield why like I why right to go back to Jacoby Brissett to punt the season away like Zach said why are we doing that now you can say well what if Baker Mayfield didn't want to play and show up well okay cool he'll get fine it'll come out his pockets and he won't have no trade stock look how long it took the Panthers to trade for him you mean to tell me his trade stock is going to automatically go up if he's not playing? Why are we trading Baker Mayfield? I think this situation could have worked out for both parties because Baker Mayfield, like I said with Sam Donald, a lot of people said Sam Donald getting traded to the Panthers. Great situation for Sam. Career rejuvenation. Now we get to see him with a new team outside of the Jets. Well, bro, I hate to break it to you. The Jets is in a better situation than the Panthers right now. So Sam Donald went to a worse one. Baker Mayfield just went to that same path. Look what happened to Sam Donald. That's exactly what's going to have to happen to Baker Mayfield next year. And Baker Mayfield is going to be affected by that. And the Browns, when they lose some of the games they're going to lose this year, I won't be surprised them saying, wait, why did we trade Baker Mayfield again? But sometimes it's good to partner for one last time as civilized individuals for the better good and for the greater good. And I think the Browns trading Baker Mayfield is going to be a, a mistake for some of those reasons you said in your take by them punting the season away. So those are my three um, biggest offseason regrets. Seattle trading Russell Wilson. Okay, the Washington Commanders overpaying for Carson Wentz. And the ba Baker Mayfield, the Browns trading Baker Mayfield. So a lot of quarterbacks on mine. Zach, I'll give you the mic. Yeah, so responding to the Browns first, I think I sa I've said this earlier in the offseason, but I do believe part of the reason why the Browns were so aggressive 
in their pursuit to get Deshaun Watson. The reason why they were the part of the reason why they were the only team to offer him the $250 million guaranteed contract, because I think even if they didn't get Deshaun Watson, there was no shot that Baker Mayfield was ever going to play another snap for the Cleveland Browns again. I don't think the Browns wanted him. I, I think that's how badly the Browns wanted to move on. And at the time, yeah, they did think the Deshaun Watson suspension was going to be much less than 11 games. And I agree with you that that was unreasonable. That was stupid of them to think that, but I just think the writing was kind of on the wall. Cleveland told Baker, look, man, like it's the end. And like, we're, we're done. We want, that's why they were so part of the reason why they were so aggressive to get Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. And we saw it with Baker. He posted that goodbye paragraph before they traded for Watson. He knew he wanted to be out of Cleveland. He was done. I think both sides were done. Baker said, as soon as the Browns, uh, you know, made it clear, he said, okay, I'm done with the franchise. And Cleveland told him they were done with him. So yeah, that's fine for him to think that. And I don't blame Baker Mayfield like months later when the Browns are just rushing back to him, trying to get on good terms again. It's like, no, you told me you're moving on from me and you, your actions proved it. You traded for a quarterback with those sexual assault allegations. You it's, gave him 250 plus million dollars guaranteed. Like I still don't blame it, Baker Mayfield at all for not wanting to play another snap in Cleveland. I really it's don't. It's crazy. It's crazy because the 49ers did the same thing. They said they was trading Jimmy G as a rap. We go into Trey Lance, you know, um, so Everything pointed to him getting traded, but they realized that, you know, it was in their best interest. Well, so they think to um, keep Jimmy Garoppolo there because there was no trade package. Now for Baker, Baker did say in a speech, you know, when he was talking to some press reporters that he would not have been opposed to playing for the Browns, even though at the end he kind of went back and reverted. Like, yeah, I think we're just about done. But it signified to me that if the Browns reached out to him for some um, reconciliation, maybe Baker would have not been opposed to it. But I think both parties could have communicated better in that whole situation as a whole from the start to the finish. And um, this is what you have right now. Let me ask you, though, we've been following Baker Mayfield's career for a long time, right? Going back to his college days at Oklahoma. You know, this is the same guy that planted the Oklahoma flag in the middle of the Ohio State O when they, the Sooners went to Columbus and won that game. This is the guy that got into those issues with Odell Beckham last year. I think Baker has been, I'll admit, a little bit insufferable since he's entered the NFL, considering what he's accomplished. Like, Has he ever seemed like the guy to you? to just totally forget about a situation like this and just pretend like it's not, it, it hasn't happened. Like, were you surprised that Baker Mayfield uh, didn't want to come back to Cleveland? Because I'm not nah, like, I'm not, I'm not surprised because he's a prideful individual and sometimes pride will get you caught up and pride will get you in trouble. So um, listen, I'm not wishing nothing bad on his career. You know, he got a fresh start in Carolina, but I saw what happened to Sam Donald over there. It's not a better situation than where he just came from. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll comment on Seattle. And I think this is pretty interesting. I, I heard this somewhere. I don't think it's legitimate or not, but I think it is like, it's a rumor, but I, I think it's something that could happen. Right. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, you mentioned Lamar Jackson and, and we had a conversation about his contract talks. He, he even likes the tweet of him uh, in the Miami Dolphins uniform. And when I bring it up because of the Seattle Seahawks. Right. And I think, you remember earlier this summer, like Brian Windhorse right before the Rudy Gobert trade going on ESPN. And that meme was born of him saying like the Utah Jazz are up to something. That's kind of how I'm feeling about the Seattle Seahawks right now, because somehow like they convinced Pete Carroll to come back coaching. And I know he probably he wanted to trade Russell Wilson. It was clear like 
those two just couldn't really work with each other anymore. But I'm, I'm like a little spooked. Like, how did Seattle convince Pete Carroll to come back? And I look at their talent. I think they're going to be among the worst teams in the NFL this year because of the atrocity at the quarterback position. I think with Geno Smith or Drew Locke, like they're not winning any games. But two to 53, there is some talent here. Metcalf and Lockett, still one of the best receiving, I would say one of the 10 best receiving cores in the league. You have Jamal Adams on defense. I like the kid they drafted uh, at Ole Miss on the offensive line, uh, Charles Cross. So you still have some weapons here. And I'm just wondering, like, everyone is saying – Lamar Jackson, if the Ravens were to move on from him, like Miami is going to be the place. The Dolphins just traded all their first round picks for Tyreek Hill. And I'm looking at Seattle. Like, are they up to something? Could Seattle be the spot for Lamar Jackson? And this is why they convinced Pat Pete Carroll to come back. And they, um, you know, just uh, are kind of tanking the season with Pete Carroll there. I mean, it's a conspiracy theory for sure. I'm not sure. I think when you look at the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, obviously that's another topic. But, you know, that contract situation is allowing Lamar Jackson to kind of test the waters almost. Right. May not be like from a physical standpoint, but like from a social media standpoint, looking at recruiters online, which is fans like the fan recruiters and things of that nature and even the players. So right now, by the Ravens playing games and not giving Lamar Jackson that money, it's allowing teams potentially like Seattle to kind of have a long-term plan where they say, all right, we'll probably go after this guy and try to lure him over there. And until Lamar Jackson gets that contract, we can have theories like Seattle or Lamar Jackson being a thing or Lamar Jackson and anybody else being a thing. 